Luke 24, verse 44, hear now the word of Almighty God, inspired by his Spirit. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the words of our Savior Jesus Christ, words of life. Help us as we consider them that you might give us that life revealed in these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We continue our study in Foundations of Faith, looking at the scriptures and books of the Old and New Testaments. This will be our first of perhaps two. Looking at the scriptures of the Old Testament, we last week looked at God's former ways of revealing himself to the fathers by the prophets and revealing himself through the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ and showing us by miracles, signs, wonders, and distributions of the Spirit that he was speaking through these men, confirming their words. Now, verse 44 of Luke 24, we read, He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Hear Christ speaking to his disciples. These are the words that I spake to you. I delivered these doctrines to you while I was here upon the earth. Now I'm raised from death. I'm telling you what I said again. He's reiterating the same thing. That must be fulfilled. They must necessarily be fulfilled. Inevitably fulfilled. Decreed and certain and fixed in God's providence, these words must be fulfilled. What words? All things which were written, he says. All things having been written down and continuing in their written form to this very day. That's how Jesus refers to the scriptures of the Old Testament. Those things having been written down. It's a perfect participle. If you think of a perfect verb, it's something that is completed in time past. It continues into the present and its effects and it goes on all the way into the future. The Word of God was written down in time past. It continues in the same form it was written, and it goes off into the future in the same form in which it was written. The Word of God preserved for us. These things, he says, that were written down, they must be fulfilled. Just as I told you when I was with you, he says. These things, and where, pray tell, were these things written? In the law of Moses, he says. Sometimes we hear in the New Testament of the law. Sometimes we hear of Moses. Sometimes we hear of the law of Moses. Please open to Romans chapter 3, page 1136, for an instance of the various types of usage here in the New Testament. Romans 3, verse 19. 
Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by what? The law, and what else? The prophets. Was not Moses a prophet who wrote the law? Yes. But they would refer to the five books of Moses, the first five books of our and their Bible, as the law. Everything else they would refer to as the prophets and the writings. Those were the three categories they had. But here notice, Paul uses the law for the law of Moses, the books of Moses. And then he illustrates in chapter 4. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Where do we read of Abraham? Genesis. In the law of Moses. In the first five books of Moses, we read about Abraham. Who else does he mention? Verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man. Where do we read about David? In the law of Moses? In the prophets. The law and the prophets both bear witness to gospel righteousness, Paul proves here. The law of Moses, the prophets of God. Now, please turn back, if you would, to the book of Acts, Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 21, page 1114 of your pew Bibles. At the Council of Jerusalem, we have a reference to the Bible of the Old Testament. Notice how James refers to it. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Now, this is what is known as a figure of speech. Do you think there was a man named Moses that they preached? Do you think they read this man like was he a book or what? No. It is God's inspired instrument, Moses, referring to the five books of Moses. Moses, or the law of Moses, is the first five books of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is what James calls Moses. Every Sabbath, they would have in the synagogue two scripture readings. One from the law of Moses and one from the prophets. They would read in the prophets, and we'll talk about this in a minute. They might read the writings or the Psalms. They might read Isaiah. They might read Judges. There are all kinds of books in the prophets. Moses is the first five books. The prophets are the rest. But here he refers specifically to Moses. Now Jesus, let's turn back to Luke 24, please, page, page 1063. He says that the things had to be fulfilled in God's providence by God's decree that were written in the law of Moses. So Moses wrote about Christ and he says in the prophets, notice there in verse 44, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. The book of the prophets 
is referred to in Acts 7.42, but let's look at our Lord himself. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, page 964. What are these prophets? How does the Lord use these words? Matthew 5.17, notice the twofold structure again. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Notice, law, prophets. Then notice verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, a jot is a little tiny Hebrew letter. Yod, we call it in Hebrew. The tittle is a very tiny dot that they would put as a vowel pointing in their letters. The smallest letters of the Hebrew alphabet will never be erased from the text of Scripture. That's what Jesus is saying. From the law or from the prophets, all will be preserved forevermore, having been written once, continuing in that form, and going on forever in that same form. The law and the prophets. Turn over to Matthew 7, verse 12, if you would, please. Just a few pages over. Verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, even do ye so to them. For this is what? The law and the prophets. Here's the basic moral teaching of the Bible in the Old Testament, we would say. The law and the prophets, they teach you basically this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. On these two, all the moral teaching of the Bible can be summed up in these two. Turn over to chapter 11 of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 13. Our Lord conceives of the Old Testament as law and prophets, or law, prophets, and Psalms. Verse 11 or excuse me, verse 13 of chapter 11. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Again, all of the prophets and Moses, they all prophesied to this very day that we're at when John came and prophesied, Jesus says. Now, he also mentions the Psalms. But here, notice, before we get to that, the book of the prophets. If you'll see there in your handout, I believe I have a copy of this as well, there are the divisions of the Bible in your handouts. And don't worry about the Hebrew words, I'll explain a little bit about that. But this first division is called Torah. Torah, it means the law. And under there you have Bereshith, which is in the beginning, the book of Genesis, then you have Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is the Hebrew law. That's what they refer to as the law of Moses, or Moses, or just the law. Then here you have Navi'im, the prophets. The law, the prophets. And in this book concerning the prophets, you have Joshua, like we do. Then you have the judges. Then you have the four books of the kings and so on and so forth, but not exactly in the order that we have them. In fact, if you look at the bottom, law, prophets, this is called the writings, 
or sometimes the Psalms, because the Psalms are the first book of the writings. So when Jesus refers to the law, he's referring to these five books. When he refers to the prophets, he's referring to the rest of these in the center. And when he refers to the Psalms, he's referring to this last portion called the writings by the Hebrews. Now also one thing of note, the first book in the Hebrew Old Testament is Genesis, just like ours is, Bereshith, they call it, in the beginning. And the last book, is it Malachi in the Hebrew Old Testament? No, it's Second Chronicles. The final book in the Old Testament for the Jews is the last book of the writings. The four books of Kings are in the prophets. The two books of Chronicles are in the writings. They are the final books. You can see them here, Aleph and Beth, Debre Hayamim, the words of the times or days, the chronicles, in other words. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. The final book of the Old Testament for the Jews is not Malachi. Rather, in fact, Malachi is the last book in the prophets to them. That middle section ends with Malachi. The final section ends with Second Chronicles. So Jesus refers to the law of Moses, to the prophets, and to the Psalms, the Psalms being the first and principal book of the writings. Please open to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, page 4 of your pew Bibles. Wouldn't life be grand if we had the perfect environment? No, actually it wouldn't. Because what would we have? Our hearts, our corrupt nature. Look there at verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought forth of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering but unto Cain and to his offering he had, not, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Do you see the wickedness of man? The first couple recently planted in the garden of Eden, fallen into sin and death. They have two sons. And in that first family is everything going well. Is everything going fine and hunky and dory? No, they're murdering one another. In this case, Cain is murdering Abel. Please open to 2 Chronicles chapter 24, page 505 of your pew Bibles. Now again, as I mentioned, we have all the same books as the Hebrews did. Our ordering of them is slightly different. 2 Chronicles 24 starting at verse 20. Now, very similar circumstance, as we'll see shortly. 
And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Right to the point. You forsook God, he forsook you. Now it goes on, verse 21. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. You see that? Did they want to hear his straightforward message? Did they want to hear that they had forsaken God? No, they wanted to hear something different, namely that their sins were acceptable to God. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done to him, but slew his son. And listen, when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and requite it. Pay it back. Avenge it. Please turn over to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, page 989. starting at verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. Where was that? Genesis, Bereshith, first Bible, first book in the Bible of the law. From the righteous blood shed upon the earth from Abel unto the blood of whom? Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now notice a couple of things. First, you have the slaying of Abel. Where? Genesis. And then you have the slaying of this one man called Zacharias, the son of Berechias. Where? Second Chronicles. From Genesis to the end of their whole Old Testament Bible and all the righteous blood shed in between, he says, you'll pay for it. Why? Because they would accept it. They would say amen to the sins of their fathers. They would not repent of it. Just like Babylon is going to be held guilty for all the sins that went before her. So the Sanhedrin would be guilty of what happened in Adam's family, as well as in the days of the kings of Israel and Judah, as well as what will happen in their day when they will kill those that Jesus will send. I note then this doctrine. There is a fixed standard, a collection of books, which we call the Old Testament. That's what Jesus is talking about. When he says all these things that were written must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms, he's talking about that threefold division from Genesis to Second Chronicles, or we would say from Genesis to Malachi. 
the whole Old Testament, in other words. There is a fixed standard, a collection of books, which we call the Old Testament. And on this standard of books, we and the Jews have no disagreement. We believe the same books are divinely inspired as the Orthodox Jews believe, and as Jesus himself believed, and as the prophets and apostles themselves accepted. The law, the prophets, and the writings, or the Psalms. Now our Lord and his apostles, they considered these books as God's oracles, as the only divinely inspired books of the Old Testament. They are approved of God himself, profitable for doctrine and reproof, breathed out by God himself, preserved to this very day. This is the Old Testament. Those who would add books, such as the fables of Bell and the Dragon, or even the useful histories of Judas Maccabeus, and would say, these two are the Bible, are mistaken. They are not. They were not written in Hebrew, the language of the people of God, and they are not between Genesis and 2 Chronicles that Jesus identifies as the two bookends of the Old Testament. They are not in there. They're somewhere else. The word apocrypha is applied to them. It means that which is hidden away. It's out of sight. It's not plain and public, in other words. Those who would add fables or even useful histories or who would add the Talmud or supposed oral traditions or all the rabble and trash of the ancient Jews or of our modern Jews, the papists, and all their mysticism and all their fathers and all their councils that they would add beside and say, this is as authoritative as the book, the book of God, the law, the prophets, and the apostles. No, they are not. These are wormwood or anti-Christian doctrines. These are not Christian doctrines. This book in the Old and New Testaments is the sole rule of faith and life. Let us then receive these sacred oracles of God, delivered in the Old Testament to God's ancient people, the Jews, kept pure and entire by God's singular care and providence, one of the two sources of nourishment that God has given for eternal life, the Old Testament. Jesus said that these Old Testament scriptures were concerning himself, concerning his death, concerning his resurrection, concerning the preaching of the gospel to all nations. Let us also pray that the Lord would open up our understanding as he did his disciples' minds. Many Christians, including the disciples to whom Jesus was speaking in Luke 24, do not understand the Old Testament. It's a closed book. It's like if you tried to read a book, but it was closed. Could you read it? Could you understand it? No. Their minds were closed to the scriptures. What did Jesus do? He opened their understanding that they might understand. Let us pray that God will do likewise for us. Lord, open my understanding that I may understand the words that came out of your mouth. God promises that those that seek wisdom will find it. If you seek it with all your heart, not hypocritically for other reasons, but for the purpose of knowing God himself, he will give you his wisdom. 
that we might see the gospel of Christ even in the Old Testament, that it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And thus far the exposition concerning the canon or the scriptures of the Old Testament. Let's pray. 